Yeah, it's a story we've been talking about for some time. I mean, I think we picked it up in our business wrap, uh, you know, a few months ago. And uh, the city of Cape Town had then given the approval for a 4 billion rand mixed-use development. And uh, yeah, it was said to be the home of uh, retail giant Amazon here on the continent. And a lot spoken about it and uh, around the balance between all of the economic opportunities and uh, the critical importance of the conservation of the heritage uh, in Kubeko of uh, many of the people of that part of the world. And uh, Tariq Jenkins, who's the commissioner of the Khoringhai Kona, Kona Council, joins me now this evening. Tariq, good evening and welcome. And uh, you're going to have to help me, my brother, uh, in uh, pronouncing uh, those two, uh, I guess, uh, letters that come before council uh, so that uh, at least I also learn something today. Uh, good evening, uh, Bonga Tawe. Um, so it's the Goring Hai Kona Koikoin Traditional Council. Goring Hai Kona? Goring Hai Kona. Yebo. Okay, thank you very much for that. So uh, you're the commissioner of the Koringai Kona uh, uh, Council. And uh, I mean, uh, just maybe give us briefly the history of uh, the Koringai Kona people in that part of the world. And in particular, uh, the historic significance of the confluence of the Lisbeak and Black Rivers uh, uh, out in Cape Town. Uh, the Gurin Icona, um Mao, who yes. the Dutch called Harry, and uh, and the British Harry, or Harry the Stuntwopper, mm. um, and then his his niece Kutoa, who was the um, umbilical cord, who whose life was spent in a very terse kind of diplomatic relationship between the Van Ribbets and 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 her people. Um, so the the the, the Icona were part of a um, of the various peninsular groups. Um, and in fact, they 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 inherit a footprint from all uh, the major peninsular groups, um, and were tasked for you know um, for a very long time, pre-colonially and colonially, in terms of navigating thousands of seafarers that would uh, come to our shores, um, and had a a, um, a a complex and successful sort of um, you know um, interaction and and relationship with. Uh, with seafarers from around the world, providing uh, water as a resource, as well as healing, um, uh, you know, people who disembarked off these ships that mm. um, went through very perilous journeys. So um, the uh, the Green Icona uh, today is also part. They 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 form um, the, the the baseline of the tributary descendants of the Silent Koi, mm. um, which is also a very diverse um, a group range of groupings, um, uh, also because of, of um, for example, on this particular precinct that is under contestation, where the, the sacred plain confluences uh, with the Lisbeth River and the Black River, it is here in 1657 that the Dutch East India Company gifted its employees, the Freeburger farmers, land for the first time, uh, deploying Roman Dutch law in the gifting of the title deeds. So... As a country, we can actually demarcate where land was ostensibly stolen for the very first time, mm. and it is it is here where the the dispossession um, of 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 the territories on um, either sides of these embankments resulted in the first frontier wars in 1659, um, where a number of uh, peninsular groups fought uh, against the Dutch, and uh, this 1659 war precipitated into. 16 wars of liberation and resistance by the Khoi over a 180-year period. It fanned out across southern Africa, and as a result, at the end, we would witness the genocide of the Cape Sound, the extirpation of a number of sacred animals, 
uh, like the blue buck, the koha, the, the black lion. And it demarcates for us the moment where the colonial bomb hit um, in its first instance. On the same embankments um, in, in 1510 on the 1st of March was also a, a famous battle that was fought by the indigenous Khoi um, in the in both East and West Africa. He was the, the viceroy, the Portuguese viceroy to India. And when he came around the Cape of Good Hope and raided a, a kraal in what is modern-day Odomolan, uh, he was met with the standing Khoi Khoi army who had a symbiotic relationship with their cattle and formed the phalanx, defeated him, about 87 of his men and 13 captives, uh, which um, marked the biggest colonial <coughs> defeat by against the Portuguese. And as such, uh, the Portuguese uh, issued an edict not to militarily interfere in this part of the world for the next 100 years or so, which also uh, resulted in South Africa, the country, escaping the clutches of being a Portuguese slave colony. Mm. Perhaps you and I would be speaking in Portuguese if it wasn't for that battle. But I think uh, in terms of, of, of the, the, the sacred importance of the confluence of the Lisbeth River and the Black River, uh, it, is, it is considered as a, as a, a birthplace of the Kuna people. Um, it is revered. It is a, a place of sanctity and spiritual reverence. It has unique genus loci. Uh, spatial uh, features of, mm. um, of, of of a particular kind of um, expression. For example, on the equinox, when days and nights are equal, it is only from the confluence that you can see the sun setting on top of lion's head. Mm. It's also a place uh, where the uh, South African Observatory uh, was started, formerly known as the Royal Observatory, where a number of the uh, sort of most significant Western scientific breakthroughs in cosmology um, in, in astronomy uh, took place. However, uh, preceding that was and is a place that uh, the sun and Koi for themselves navigated the stars. So it is a very important um, precinct in terms of its location in our mm-hmm. universe and also in terms of uh, it, it being a, an important um, historical significant place um, for, for the sun and Koi and indeed for now, now many, I think, of our listeners would be familiar with the background of the story, um, and I guess the case you've made now very strongly uh, for the uh, preservation uh, and the conservation of this particular space. Uh, but um, I guess, how do we make sense then of um, some of the other, you know, groupings that uh, you know? There's one group calling itself First Nations Collective that is saying, well, you know, this development must go ahead. Uh, and that they are happy with the, the developers' plans to build a media center, to build a heritage garden, an amphitheater that, I guess, pays some homage to, uh, um, you know, the impact of the confluence of the Lisbeck and Black River in the universe of many of the people of that part of the world. So for <clears throat> all the silent core groups that are against this development, the reasons why is uh, based on a, a deep symbiotic relationship that uh, the silent core has with its riverine system with the cosmos, with the environment. And there are aspects about this development that violate, um, you know, this in, in, in quite egregious ways. Um, the, the info of 150,000 square meters of concrete bulk on a floodplain not only is in violation of, uh, of national environmental policy and international environmental law, such as the Paris Agreements, um, it also uh, entails, in as far as, the, the design of this particular uh, project, the info of parts of the river and the redirection of the sacred river. 
I think that uh, the, the brokered arrangement of having a media center uh, in the middle of a concrete block with 60-meter-story uh, buildings um, uh, you know, opens up a number of questions as to who's actually going to benefit from, from this thing. I think our argument is that um, it, it, it's quite ironic, if not paradoxical, to argue to have a heritage center on top of a terrain that's going to be devastated, um, a terrain that is of, 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 of sacred value. Perhaps it's not so much as a celebration of the heritage, but more um, an epitaph to um, to a, a sort of um, a tragedy that would have ensued. Um, so I think, you know, for us, the, the, uh, the message is very clear in, in that, uh, you know, this heritage cannot be for sale. We're dealing with a situation where the world's wealthiest man, um, the richest company, has ostensibly placed a price on our most sacred heritage. And, and if we do not hold the line, it also creates a very dangerous precedent for all traditional communities, um, you know, not just in South Africa, but, but on the continent and globally, where we are saying that, um, you know, something that is sacred and that should be looked after and that its, its, its essential sanctity should, should remain uh, with, with care, um, you know, um, and, and looked after by, by its people, um, you know, uh, inevitably, inevitably, then um, you know, uh, is becomes threatened. So, um, the, I think the main argument from the opposition is 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 this idea of creating jobs. Uh, we feel that this is a very flawed argument because to create jobs in this case on a precinct that we want to be a world heritage site, it's already undergone and is undergoing uh, national grading, uh, means that. Um, uh, you know, descendants of the Sun and Core will be digging up, um, you know, a secretary of the ancestors for lowest echelon jobs, um, you know, temporal uh, sort of jobs uh, of, uh, you know, of, of, of moving concrete bulk and uh, and so on within, you know, within the construction um, industry. So but there's a promise of 5,200 temporary jobs, but only 675 permanent jobs. Um, mm-hmm. and And I think that the reason why this uh, development is so extensive is precisely because it's on a floodplain. Mm. Should Amazon sure. um, uh, move anywhere else, and it has the capacity to do so because it was offered a number of other tracts of land in order to do so, but chose this one. Um, at the same cost of $4.5 billion, mm. uh, what, what would transpire there would be uh, a, a development that is four to five times bigger and therefore employ exponentially more people. Sure, sure. Um, and uh, you see what happens when you build on a floodplain, you've got to put the concrete into the, so in, deep into the ground. Mm-hmm. You've got to fill it up, create a sensible concrete block, and then on top of that you build what you want to build, which in sure. this case is a multi-purpose hotel, mm-hmm. um, Amazon headquarters, a gym, uh, you know, a canal walk uh, sort of type of, yeah. uh, you know, type of development scheme. And we know that <clears throat> these kinds of... Um, can all walk uh, type, uh, uh, you know, um, designs mm. are not are, are not there to benefit the poor working class yeah. people of this country. Tariq? And uh, Tariq? Yeah. I want us to pause here, man. It's so unfortunate we've run out of time because I think it's yeah. a fascinating story. And uh, we want to thank you for taking time out this evening to speak to us. It's uh, really unfortunate that we have run out of time. Uh, but a uh, big thank you to you. Uh, for sharing uh, with us the perspective uh, of the uh, Gorengai Kona uh, Kona Council. 
uh, on this particular matter. And uh, yeah, it uh, certainly does seem uh, like one that is going to be splitting opinion, uh, not just uh, within the heritage community, but also in particular within uh, many of the councils of uh, the uh, Korean Sun Nations. And uh, Tariq, thank you very much for your time. Thank you very much. And I certainly appreciate uh, your, your interest in the matter. Um, and, uh, you know, I wish you and all your, all your listeners a very blessed evening. Thank you very much, uh, Tariq uh, Jenkins, Commissioner at the Korengai Kona Council. And uh, yeah, it's a little after 9 p.m. Uh, the man with the jams is standing by. He's with you from 9 through to midnight. Have yourself a great evening. Uh, and a big thank you, George Nochola, for putting together this great product. Have yourself a great evening. Take strength, my Africa. Nangoku, Sasai Banga, Le Economy.